I'm Jimmy James. I'm Carl Knapp. Carl is a practicing attorney in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. We're longtime friends, and once a week we get together to talk about divorce, child support, custody, criminal law, and much more. So come hang out, because this is Just Lawing Around. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Just Lawing Around podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a couple things kind of encompassing a few different topics. Uh, we're going to be talking about due process, burden of proof, equal protection, which is all kind of the 14th Amendment. And we're going to touch a little bit on gun laws. We're not going to get too crazy on gun laws, but it does tie into a little bit of our conversation today. Carl, I know throughout the week you've been telling me that you've been dealing with a couple things in the past uh, related to due process. And I know you've brought up a couple things that frustrate you. I certainly have a lot of questions about due process because it's a term we all know, but we don't necessarily all understand. I think a good launching point would be first, can you... Explain what is due process and how have you encountered it in, in you know, uh, throughout your job and maybe your frustrations with it? Yeah, I know. I know I've every once in a while we talk a lot throughout the week, as people probably know. And I, I've been bitching to you about the court system, yeah. <laughs> about a lot of stuff that goes on in the court system. And That's a mess. this week and the past couple, past couple of years, it seems to have gotten worse. But the due process, a, a, a real simple, I mean, the simplest form of due process that we learned in law school is you have to have notice and an opportunity to be heard. So that sounds very simple, but what what does all that mean? Notice is somebody has to tell you, okay, here's what we're either charging with charging you with or we're alleging. And then you get the opportunity to rebut that. So they either have to give you a hearing or you get a trial, but you you get notice of what the allegation is, and then you get the opportunity to respond to it. So in the simplest form, that's that's how you define due process, and it's like an process, opportunity to face your accuser. Really, it's like yeah, yeah. You can't it goes, just it goes beyond file that. something. Yeah, it, and it comes it comes from the Fourteenth Amendment, um, and I'm no, I'm going to put this out there now. I'm not a constitutional scholar, <laughs> so but I I know enough about it and I've read the constitution obviously and I've studied it in law school back in constitutional law but but basically due process means that you can't take away somebody's life liberty or property without due process of law so the government can't just come to your house and say oh James uh, I like that car I'm going to take it thank you very much right but thank they can you. do we, it we but well, <laughs> which, which is one of the things that drives me crazy, but <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it on the rails today. Well, let, me, let me give like a quick brief example just to like kind of, you know, make it simpler to understand. You get a traffic ticket, right? When you send that traffic ticket in on the ticket, it says you have to pay a collateral in order to plea on the ticket. Now, most people think that you actually have to do this. And I, I tested this with Carl. I said, Carl, do I actually have to send them money before they show me that I'm guilty? And he was like... I don't think so. I think all you have to do is respond. And so that's what I did. I sent in my response and I didn't send a check with it. And I got a hearing date. So nothing happened, right? Nothing they, happened. They, and you asked me about that. And I remember when you asked me about that. And I've always been of this, of this, the belief that that's a, that's a prime example of due process. They said to you, okay, you violated the statute, whatever the, the statute code, is. Right. The vehicle 
code, right? So they give you a ticket and they say, oh, you were speeding, whatever the violation is. So that's your notice. So in terms of a due process analysis, that's your notice. And then you can either say, yeah, you're right and plead guilty. Then you've kind of waived your opportunity to be heard, which is your hearing. Right. You said, okay, I've got your notice and I don't agree with it. So I want a hearing. Right. That's the way things should work in, in reality. But you're right. Why, why should you pay money when there's a presumption? I mean, it's not a criminal case, but there's a presumption of innocence. Why do you got to pony up $175 so that you can get your hearing, which you're entitled to under the Constitution? Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I said to you. I was like, why am I paying before I'm found guilty? I shouldn't have to spend a dime until they find me guilty. Most people pay, they, they pay up front. I think it tells you on there, you're supposed to pay the fine, whatever's listed on the ticket. You're supposed to pay that. You know, the wording like, is very interesting on that. Yeah, yeah, as collateral so that you can get a hearing. And I, when we had these conversations, which we do all the time, <laughs> probably too often. <laughs> I probably was getting crazy in the head saying, why the heck do you have to post $175 to get your due process? No, just tell them you want a hearing. Right. And it worked out. I'm glad you didn't get arrested or something. Then are they going to arrest me and put me in front of a judge for not paying a collateral on a traffic citation? Come on. I need to waste some money and time. Right. The whole, the whole thing, the whole underlying thing is, is stupid, but we'll. Well, Your whole argument was, did you respond? That's all they want mm -hmm. because it said a failure to respond. Well, I responded. I just didn't pay you. Right. You you responded, and and that's that's all there is. And some some of these courts get heavy handed and say, well, we didn't get our money. I don't think they have any right to ask for any money based on what? Because because some cop says I was speeding or I went through a, a red light or I went through a you know right. a stop sign. Well, you you're alleging it. I'm disputing it. Right. So we have a hearing in which we were talking a little bit about burden of proof. They have the burden of proof to establish the the offense. Cause it because in essence, if you if you look at this really simply, that's kind of what I, I try to simplify these things. I don't want to say dumb them down because that's that's not what I'm trying to do. Well, it is. I mean, you have a higher education on this stuff, so yeah, people who right. don't, and, like myself, you got to bring it down to our level. <laughs> right, and some, some lawyers, they try to make things so super complicated, and people that listen to this podcast might go, oh, yeah, he, he's an idiot because he makes it, you know, he just dumbs it down. I'm doing it deliberately so people can understand it, how right. it works. But in, in essence, they're trying to take your property. They're trying to take your money. Right. So they're saying you violated the vehicle code and we want to take $175 from you. Okay. So I am entitled to due process. I'm entitled to a hearing, which you have asked for. And at the hearing, they have a burden of proof because they have to show that you violated before they can take your property. Because take your they're money. alleging, right? Right. They're alleging. So if I were to allege somebody else in, let's say, like a civil dispute, would the burden of proof then be on me to prove whatever yes, my allegations towards the other person is? Absolutely. Whoever the whoever the moving party is, whether it's a civil if it's a civil case, it's the plaintiff. Right. If it's a criminal case, it's usually the Commonwealth, 
which is the state or in Pennsylvania we're a commonwealth. And even even in things like family law, you have either a, a plaintiff and a defendant, which is could be husband and wife, or it could be wife and husband, depending on who files. Or you have a petitioner. Somebody can file a petition to and ask for something. But like that to person modify were, custody or petition to change yeah, child support or yeah, things like that. Exclusive possession. And one of the things I was kind of kind of complaining about to you, and we'll get get a little more into it, but the whole family court system, the whole concept of due process has kind of been killed. <laughs> in family court? In family court. I have, I have had so many cases over the last few years where somebody files a petition. Oh, I'm going to file a petition. I want sole custody of the kids because a father is abusing them. And so they file a petition. And the way it should work is father should have an opportunity to respond to that petition. Right. And then whoever filed it, mother, has to prove that father abused the kids and father can dispute that. And then depending on what happens, the judge can make a decision. That's the way it should work. The problem is mother files a petition and says dad's uh, abusive or the kids are afraid of him. And then the judge files, signs an order and says, okay, mother has sole custody of the kids. End of story. Right. And and just for the record, I just want to put out there, this could go either way. Father could file this, this, mother could file this. This is just this scenario that we're just referencing. That's all. And and I've been on both sides of it. Right. And it drives me (laughs) absolutely insane because you're taking away somebody's children. Which is insane. I mean, look, if they're in immediate danger, I get that. But it's insane that the government can reach in and take away somebody's kids without allowing that person to defend themselves. I've had a few, I had one a couple, about probably two, three years ago where dad filed a petition against mom and said that mom did something to the kids. They took her kids away with, you know, one stroke of a pen. It took me six months to get a hearing to get her her children back. She didn't see her kids for six months because one... One judge just said, you know what? I'm signing this order. It's called a it's called an ex parte order, which means only one side is heard. Well, that to me is insane. Yeah, that's absolutely insane. Taking away somebody's children without even having a hearing, not even a conference, not even a phone. Not call, even knowing the person. Nothing. And and if you think about the context of custody or any kind of divorce, it's all based on confrontation. The two people hate each other. Right. <laughs> so is it a stretch to think that mother might make up something against father? Is that is that a stretch to think that that might possibly happen? Of course not. It happens every single day in custody court and support court. So that that just drives me bonkers. And I've gotten miffed with some of the judges and I and I don't not disrespectful, but I, I get irritated. Like, why couldn't you have called us before you took his kid away? Yeah, that's insanity. Before you threw him out of the house, maybe maybe due process. Maybe he gets to respond to this. 
Yeah. So you you see it a, a lot in in that context. With my, my PFA. Point, wait, wait, can we rewind back just a little bit? In that particular case that you're referencing, did the mother? You said the mother ended up getting the child back, and and I don't know how much you could talk about, but the allegations were disproven, or or what happened it, there? A lot of them were were found to be false. A lot That's of the insane. allegations <laughs> that were made were found to be untrue. Right. And that, so, that's why that's so scary. Six months to lose kids on allegations that are false. Yes. That's insane. And, and, and that's, I've had a couple, I had one same type of case. It was the other way around. Mother filed against father and he lost his kids. It was probably six to eight months before he got his kids back. And, and when you get your kids back, how do you make up that time? I think you were saying something about you know, if you're falsely accused and you end up in prison and then they and you get acquitted, but you were sitting in jail the whole time. How do you get that time back? Yeah, I mean, that that can ruin custody. That could ruin your job. That can ruin your plans, your future business ventures. That could ruin a lot of stuff. And what? They just kick you out and say, oh, sorry, we were wrong. And that's sorry. It. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the criminal system has a little bit more checks and balances, but not much. I mean, you do get... You do get a preliminary hearing, which is supposed to be your initial hearing where they say, okay, is there enough evidence to hold the case? But those preliminary hearings are ridiculous. They're so lopsided and the burden of proof is so low. It's, you know, is there some proof that a crime is committed and is it likely that this guy did it? Right. And you know what's scary is like before all this technology that we have, I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of innocent. I mean, you hear about it all all the time now where people who are innocent of crimes that were committed 30 years ago that are still sitting in jail getting released. And that's 30 years ago. So when they didn't have that technology, how many innocent people did they put in jail just because the cops could just say it was this person and they just believed it? And and sometimes the cops, my my theory or my opinion is that the police should... A lot of times the police don't do a proper investigation. So your girlfriend says you beat her up. So she goes in the police station and says, oh, my God, he beat me up. And they go, really? What, what did he do to you? And she says, oh, he did this, 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 and this. They go over, then they arrest you, and they charge you with assault or aggravated assault or whatever, based on what she said. There may have been somebody else in the house but they don't bother to interview them. There may be video, but they don't get the video. Right. So based on her word, you're now either on bail or sitting in prison somewhere. Like, how about doing your job and maybe investigating the case? Maybe if there were some witnesses, maybe talking to the witnesses. I've had cases where the police don't talk to the witnesses. That's crazy. That's how, crazy. How the hell can you... How the hell can you file a criminal case if there's eyewitnesses and you don't talk to them? Well, the victim said he did it. Well, the three witnesses said he didn't. Well, that'll scary come is there, there, there's no repercussions in these situations. Yeah. And that's the scary thing. That's why these things happen, because there's absolutely zero accountability for the people that do the wrong thing. You might... We talked a little bit about malicious prosecution. You might 
you might yeah, there there is a there's a cause of action that if they say that they initiated a a criminal proceeding without probable cause and then they continued to push it when they know it wasn't valid you can sue them you know you can you can sue you know, the police department or whatever from malicious prosecution. The problem with that is they're going to say, well, our probable cause was based on what the victim told us. And the victim said that he did it. That shouldn't be so, enough. That's hearsay. I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I object, your honor. That's hearsay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not really hearsay. But we'll, That's not hearsay. Gonna, well, the victim gonna said. Whole, we're going to do a whole podcast on hearsay. <laughs> 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 it's not technically hearsay, um, but yeah, they these, and it happens all the time. I, I you know, PFA court is is you know a place that happens all the time. Somebody files something. They said, "Oh, I'm afraid of him." It's all you really have to say. I'm afraid of him or her, and they throw you right out of your house. You get thrown out of your house immediately. And then you're, you know, you're, I don't know where you're sleeping or staying. And then you get a hearing and then you get to the hearing and then they say, well, I think we should just uh, put this on the back burner for 90 days. And if nothing happens, we'll, we'll just drop it. Well, the defendant is out of his house for 90 days. He doesn't, he's not seeing his kids for 90 days. He's got an active PFA against him for 90 days. It's not fair. I mean, in my mind, it's just not fair. And yeah, then, I and agree. Then, yeah, and I've had cases where the where we have a PFA, and, and we were talking a little bit off air about how these things all overlap, right? So you can have a PFA... If you go and beat up your girlfriend, she files a PFA against you. That may also be a crime because you, uh, you know, it's an assault. Right. So what happens oftentimes is they will file a PFA. So there'll be a PFA entered against you and then there will be criminal charges. So can, and can that, can they play a role on each other? Like if you file a PFA and you have criminal charges, is there any chance that like a, a PFA judge would say, let's hold this case and, you know, pending the result of the criminal charges? Almost always. That's what they almost always do. So in that case, during that time, while they're holding the case and the, and the criminal proceedings are going on, there is a PFA in effect at that point? Yes. The, I mean, the PFA, yeah, the temporary... There's when you file a PFA, there's a temporary order entered and it's entered ex parte. Ex parte means when with only hearing without the other side present is kind of what it means. So if I file a petition against you, you normally, you know, in, in due process, you would have the opportunity to respond. Right. Sometimes they say well, it's so serious, we don't have time to go find James and see what he has to say. This is serious stuff. So I'm going to make my decision based on just what one side says. So 
you know, an ex parte order. I have a lot of problems with that. Like I have, a, I have a huge problem with ex parte orders. Let's say two people <laughs> live together, right? A husband and wife. A wife goes, wife or husband, whatever, whatever one you see in your head, goes and gets a, a PFA against the other person, right? And that PFA says that they can't be near that person, even if they live in the same address. Now, I know sometimes there's exception, but so let's say in this case, they say you can't go back to that house while your wife is there. That could be a problem in the interest of securing evidence in his defense in sure. getting proof, getting into accounts, having some sort of communication to access something that's going to protect him. Uh, what about financial situations, mortgages, payments, uh, joint accounts? I could see a lot of problems with that. It's a, it's a good question. And, and you're right. When, when somebody files a PFA, there's always an almost always an ex parte order. So somebody goes to the courthouse, whether it's a male or it's a female, and they say, I'm, I'm being abused. The judge will then sign an order generally that same day. So the other party never hears about it until the sheriffs come and knock on the door and they say, hey, there's a PFA against you. You've got five minutes to get out of the house and you're not allowed back until, until the hearing, which is two weeks from now. Yeah, I don't have a problem with protecting one party from the other party, but I do have a problem with telling one party that they have to leave their home. I mean, you paid for that. Your name's on it. Your stuff is there. That's crazy to me. And what? And why can't she leave? Why do I have to change? That's Or he. I guess the alternative. What's the alternative? You can't have them in this. If, if, you, gen, if you generally believe that the one party is abusing the other. You can't have them under the same roof. It's too, it's too dangerous. You have to separate them. So okay, well you, then, if the county's forcing out. me out, then the county can pay for my hotel. <laughs> 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 you know, it's never going to happen. But come no, on, it's never, it's never going to happen. I well, the other thing they do is they always take your guns away, which I think I've touched this on other podcasts. It drives me insane they they always seize all your weapons I, you know what i think i need to put a little quick disclaimer in here real fast <laughs> I, I i think me and you i look i don't disagree with pfas and i don't disagree with some of that process i think some of that some of that process is necessary but i'm talking about the ones where they're they're very they're not how do, how do you explain it here, Carl? Like it, it, when they file something that is not in fear of your life, when, when the person is not showing abusive behavior, when the person is not threatening them with their weapon, when it's a, like people, people file PFAs for the wrong reasons all the time. PFAs are for very serious situations, not for two people who have disagreements on a regular basis. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about somebody who's getting abused physically mostly physically we're not talking about mental physically no getting no, cut it, getting punched getting suffocated being forced right. to stay somewhere being put at gunpoint that's what a pfa is for so when i say i have a problem with this i'm saying i have a problem with the people who file pfas for petty reasons that are not serious situations then i have a problem with them being forced out of their house with them having their guns taken away i think it's very important to clarify that no, and you're right. There is a there's a reason PFAs exist, and they should exist because you're exactly right. If somebody's getting, if somebody's legitimately getting abused, the abuser should be punished. He should be thrown out of the house. He should be kept away from this person. Agreed. But the the problem, and you're touching on it, is that the 
the PFAs are being abused. <laughs> so right. they're abusing the, the process. And I sit in court on these things. There's there's PFAs scheduled in Montgomery County. They schedule them once a week. And you go there. And if you have a hearing, you go and you sit. And there's probably 30 cases. So you sit there in the courtroom and you listen to a lot of them. A week? Yeah. probably. I mean, there's maybe, actually 30, 40, 50 yeah, cases a week? Yeah, I would say that's about average when you go into PFA court. Holy smokes. So you hear that. You you know, you're all sitting there kind of waiting for your case to be heard. And you hear a lot of the basis for these things. And with, with all due respect to the judges, the judges sometimes will say, well, what did he do? Well, he or what did she do? Well, she came to my place of employment and she was screaming at me and she was yelling at my boss and she said, I'm going to I'm going to pay if I if I leave her. And then the judge says, well, were you afraid? And the person says, yes. And he says, OK, I'm going to grant the PFA. <laughs> right. That's not the law. Fear. Right. I'm afraid is not the law. I might be afraid of the dark. I might be afraid of the boogeyman. Afraid That's, of change. <laughs> it, right. It has to be a reasonable, a reasonable fear. Of serious like, bodily of injury serious, or death. Yes, right. I'm afraid of him. Doesn't really answer the question. Afraid of what? Afraid that he's going to take all your money? Afraid that he's going to take the children and run? That's not a PFA. I mean, like, I, I think even being afraid of being pushed or shoved isn't enough because that's not fear not, of serious bodily injury. Right. And is it and then you got to fall back on is, is it reasonable? It's like reasonable doubt. People will people throw reasonable doubt. We were going to talk a little bit about burdens of proof. Right. If a guy says, doubt. yo, I'm going to go buy a bomb and I'm going to stick in your blanket and blow you up. Is that more reasonable than, OK, well, my husband owns a gun. He's screaming at me and he's threatening me with it. That, right, totally different. Or right. if if your ex-husband lives in Florida and you live in Pennsylvania and he's an alcoholic and he gets drunk and he calls you up at you know midnight and says, "Oh, I'm gonna come up there and get you." Oh my God, I I I'm fearful. I'm fearful that he's gonna come up and get me. Right. I was in court a couple of weeks ago. The one party was in like Texas, mm. and. and I, I, you know, I'm listening to the judge ask this person about why they, why they filed. This is a case you overheard. Yeah, it wasn't gotcha. the case. I, I, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, the guy's in Texas. So, what are you afraid of? Right. <laughs> right. What? What? What is it? Is it? Is it imminent? Because it has to be imminent. It has to be. Hey, it's going to happen tomorrow. I need this thing today. Not, well, I'm going to get in my car and it's going to take me four days to drive up there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It sounds like maybe it would have, I don't know, maybe he would have already done it if he was going to do judges it. Have to dismiss, the judges have to, they have to dismiss these things. But They're it, all it, It's kind of like the gun laws, honestly. Like, in my opinion, I don't think a protection from abuse order is going to do a damn thing against somebody who actually wants to hurt somebody. Agreed. I don't think it's going to do anything. It's going to fear people who are like on the edge of, you know, just like they're uh, like a crime of passion. You know, it's going to make them fall back a little bit. Yeah. And and they always, as I've saying before, they always take your guns away. 
So if if I push my wife around and she goes and says, oh, I want a PFA because my husband was, was pushing me around, they're going to say, does he have guns? And she's going to say, well, oh, yeah, he has guns. Which oh, might have okay. no relation well, to right. me. It has nothing to do with anything. My guns, maybe my guns safe. I didn't take them out. I never said I'm going to shoot you. And I how's didn't that not a them. violation of your amendment right. to have when a gun? You, when you talk about due process, right, they're coming, they're taking my guns away based on something that she said. Without me facing my accuser. With, with I don't have any opportunity to, to, face, to face her, which is... Uh, oh, wait, you got to screw me up. I think that's the Sixth Amendment, right? <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, like, you're the amendment police here. You've, you've pulled some pretty good information out. I, I, I know a couple of things about the amendment, but I couldn't cite them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, the Sixth, sixth Amendment is, is the right to confront your accusers. <laughs> yeah, see, you know that. And I'd also like uh, to say, we, we keep referencing her, her, her. I think... I think PFAs are gen. I'm not saying all the time, but generally, the male is probably getting served a PFA. I'm sure there's plenty where females get served a PFA, but I, you know, I think more often than not, it's the male being served a PFA, right? Right. But right. but you've seen it both ways. I've seen I've seen I've seen it both ways. I think there's a little bit there's a little bit of a stigma um, for men filing against women. Right. And it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way because I, I have I have some had crazy a, women out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch I'm TikTok when they're throwing bowling balls through people's windshields. Like, come I'm on. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. Oh, um, I'll say it all day. Yeah, there, there are there's just as bad right. women as there are men all day. There are some, and I've had clients that that male clients that women just you know. Pal, the guy, the guy sitting there in his chair or whatever, and then you know, the woman comes over and just starts wailing on him, like you know, as hard as she can, just punching him in the head and the back and stuff. In front of you? And, no, no, no. But he, he had. I've had guys tell me this. And oh, then okay, I'm, gotcha. That's a PFA, and they're like, "Well, I don't know. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to do that." And I'm like, "Well, that, that's." I mean, you, that definitely is bodily injury. Uh, yeah, but you know, men, Nobody. there's a certain something men don't yeah. want to lose, so we'll just deal with it, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, the, other, the, the sad thing is you can't punch back, because yeah. God forbid if you punch her back, you're screwed. You're yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's not self-defense if you smack a woman who's beating on you. No, 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 you're going to jail. Yeah. And you, they're going to, you know, as we said, the PFA... By the way, I don't think you should hit a woman, but I, I think the standards should be in both directions. Hey, well, equal. <laughs> Here, Carl, you equal. should not hit women. <laughs> he no, said, no, well. No. <laughs> well, I would say you shouldn't hit anybody. Women I agree, you shouldn't hit anybody. Women shouldn't be punching guys, and guys shouldn't be punching women. Nobody really should be punching anybody. Yeah, but I think and, self-defense should go in both directions. And I feel like when it comes to women, there's a much smaller need uh what is it burden of proof we'll say you know what i mean like where I, it, look look if a if a guy smacks a woman and a girl shoves him down the staircase he's standing in front of cops cops judge they're gonna look at that while she was defending herself let's let's switch that around it's gonna be like okay well now this guy has to prove a lot more than that woman had to prove to prove self-defense right right you're I, I and i think you're right and i think that's kind of the 
that's the way it works. And out here in the county, that's exactly how it works. A woman is much more likely, I think, to get a PFA than a man is. And I don't think that's that's fair, but it's kind of the way things work. Yeah. And, and like to give you an example, like just out, uh, you remember that girl, that woman in Chalfont at the pizza shop who killed her husband and tried to bury him in the front yard? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a pizza shop out here. You guys look it up. I think we did a podcast on it when we first started our podcast. I think we talked about it. But, you know, that shows you right there. A little woman can be crazy, too. She tried to bury oh. her husband in the front lawn. Like, <laughs> There's one going on now in, in Montgomery County. Uh, is that the one that's coming up now in Montgomery County? It might be. Uh, uh, no, that's it. Bucks. No, you're saying Bucks if that was Chalfont, right? Yeah, yeah that was Bucks. Uh, it was funny cause I, I saw one like on the, on Twitter or something, it came through and I was like, Oh, that's that case. I forget what the crazy lady did, but yeah, she killed somebody and I think dismembered, I think it was her parents. Was it? Um, I don't recall, but I, I think I feel, one of the bigger points to this is you yeah. think a PFA would have stopped that? No, I don't think that's so. The same way t- taking somebody's guns. Well, if we take his guns away, he's not going to kill her or we take. Well, and I, I don't want to discourage from PFAs because nine times out of 10, they do work. They are very helpful and effective. But yeah, if you and, have somebody that yeah. is absolutely nuts, that's probably yeah. not going to stop them. No, you're well, look, if you're not concerned, if you're not concerned about going to prison for the rest of your life, because murder is illegal last time I looked. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you say, look, I, you know, I, I'm not concerned about either facing the death penalty or spending the rest of my days in prison, then a PFA order isn't going to stop you either, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, I wanted to circle back to something because earlier you were talking about how the judge can make this, you know, like you, you said in your experience, they've made orders where they take kids away from somebody. I, you know, I saw a recent YouTube video and I don't know how true it is and I don't know how true it is in Pennsylvania, but it was pretty interesting to watch where this guy, you know, children protective services came to the house and they wanted to do an inspection of the house and they wanted to go inside. They wanted to talk to the kids and the guy just stood on his porch and said, you're not coming in. You don't have a warrant. You're not, you're not, no, you're not coming in. I'm not letting you in. You have no reason to come in. I have rights in this world. You're not coming in. So Child Protective Services ended up calling the police. The police came and he continued to refuse to let them in without warrants. He said, I have rights. You're not allowed to just come in my house. And they all ended up leaving. And I was like, I don't know why, but I never realized you could do that with Child Protective Services. Good. Good for him. Yeah, it was. I don't know where it was, but it was it was in the United States. I don't know where, though. Yeah. Child Protective Services is tricky. And this is an area of the law. It's very. It's very gray. I don't like it. I don't understand it, quite honestly. I don't deal with it much. Right. But if somebody calls the, they call, we call it children and youth services out here in Montgomery County, you know, um, if somebody calls children and youth and says, I'm abusing my kids, they send somebody over and they say, oh, we want to come over and talk to you about, you know, we had an allegation about you abusing your kids. I don't think I have to talk to them. And that's exactly what that video was. I, I'm pretty sure I, I have no, the question is, if I don't talk to them, what do they do? Do they go back and say, oh, he's hiding something? They have a tremendous amount of power. Yeah. Those people. And these caseworkers, they're a lot, a lot of times they are like 
the you know the detectives that don't detect yeah <laughs> i call them they they talked to one person they talked to mom and mom says so when little johnny came back from dad's house he had a bruise on his arm and i asked him what happened and he said oh dada oh my god well dad that did it right let's <laughs> yeah <laughs> Johnny's three years old. He's certainly <laughs> reliable. <laughs> right, exactly. First, mom sits the kid down and goes, did daddy hurt you? And the kid goes, yes. And she goes, did it hurt when daddy hurt you? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's basically leading the kid. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, you, can <laughs> you can make a kid say whatever you want. And sure. then children youth comes out they take your kids away but once again to me i think you have due process rights i don't think you have any right to, to talk to these people i think sometimes it helps to talk to them right it, it's like a criminal case i generally tell my clients don't talk to the police but sometimes yeah, there was more to that story uh, if, if i can touch on it just a little bit it was something about there's different mm -hmm. kinds of neglect for children and one of those are educational neglect and I think right. in that case, uh, the male was being accused of educational neglect of their kid where the kid maybe wasn't in school. But in the right. video, he said that he sent children and youth an email. He was able he, he proved digitally that they were in school. They were registered for school. They were attending school and they still came out to try and inspect. And that's where he declined and was like, nah, look, I did everything to prove this to you. You're not coming in my house unless you have a warrant. I have rights. And they didn't. They left. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. There are truancy laws. You can get in trouble as a parent if you don't if you don't send your kid to school. Right. Supposed to make sure your kid goes to school, so you can get in trouble if you don't send your kid to school. So it kind of sounds like something along those lines. Yeah, and I've seen so many videos where people refuse police to come in their house, and you know if you don't have a warrant. But I've never seen one with children and youth. And after our conversations about children and youth and their power. I was very mm -hmm. shocked to see that they they didn't override him or try and go in his house. I think they would need a court order. Now, a judge, see, that's a, that's a prime example or scenario where I could see maybe out here, and I don't know what jurisdiction that was, but out here, children and youth goes back to the court and they go, judge, we went to interview him and he, he refused to talk to us about this situation and we have you know, big concerns about what, you know, these children may not be going to school and he won't cooperate with the investigation. And then some judge signs an order and says, okay, mom has a hundred percent custody. Thanks. <laughs> That's because crazy. The guy, because the guy exercised his constitutional rights to not talk to you. Right. I, it troubles me. And I, and I, the other side of the coin is these courts are all overwhelmed. So I've been yelled at by judges like, what do you want me to do, Mr. Knapp? I don't have time to hear all these hearings. Right. Okay. Well, that's not my fault. Right. So, I still have a right. Just because you don't right. have time doesn't mean I don't have a right. So I, You're busy. So I, I didn't read that. I, don't know, I have to go back to the 14th Amendment. I, I think it says, you know, <laughs> I, I think you, you can't take somebody's life, liberty, or property without due process unless the courts are really busy. And then you can. I think that's what it is. All right. I think I have to go back and read that. You temporarily yeah. can, right. Right. Then you can do it. If you guys are busy and you have other stuff to do, don't worry about that pesky constitution. 
it's, it's such like a honestly like it leaves me in the middle sometimes because there are situations where kids do need to get removed from certain places and the law should be allowed to do that but then there's times where it's like they're they're doing it to the wrong people at the wrong time for the wrong reasons you know i don't have i don't have a problem if if it's an emergency and and they say okay we, we don't we don't have time to have a hearing today right but we're going to have a hearing Three days from now, right? So we're we're going to take your kid away, but three days from now, we're going to have a hearing. Yes, I agree okay. with that. I and think it should be reasonable. immediate. I that's reasonable. I get it. Or five days. I know. And I always forget the law, but in in the in the civil context, if you get a preliminary injunction, which is basically a, an ex parte order, I think you have to have a hearing within five days or ten days. So, okay, I get that. There may be a scenario where uh, I, I say my wife is going to, she said she's leaving the country and going back to Russia with the kids. So I file a petition and the judge enters an order that says the kids are with me until hearing. Why Russia? I, I made up Russia. My wife's not Russian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just try to make some place it's hard to get back from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's hard to get back from. Okay, I got you. My wife is not Russian. So. <laughs> I'm going to point that out. So, Oh, it's funny. Yeah, some, some country where they may, might be hard to get kids back. You know, I, I would think if kids went to Canada, it wouldn't be that hard to get them back. <laughs> Drive up there and get them, I guess. You go to Russia, you got a problem. <laughs> Russia, I ain't going over there. My kids are, kids are going to have to stay for a while. <laughs> But no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, like even PFAs have a quicker hearing date than some of these custody things. Oh, yeah. And the custody things, they just they just sit and sit, you know, and it takes forever for them to get hurt. And a lot can happen during this time. I've had judges do exclusive possession orders, which means somebody's got to get out of the house. Hmm. With well, no get out of the house. Right, with no evidence. I, I, I've had them where there's a PFA, wife files a PFA against husband, husband goes to court, the PFA gets dismissed, and then wife comes back the next day and files exclusive possession, and guess what? He gets thrown out of the house. Why? Because she said there was a PFA. Well, there's no PFA. That's PFA crazy. was dismissed. Same thing with these, we talked about these criminal charges, I, a lot of times the PFA will be dismissed, but then you still have criminal charges on the same set of circumstances, the same facts. Now, you know, how can that be? Give me an you example know, I, of that. Yeah, so, so, so let's go back. I, I, I know you love this example with... <laughs> I think your girlfriend listens, right? So <laughs> maybe I should. So you you beat up your girlfriend, or she says you beat her up, right? She says, "Oh, he he beat me up. Uh, we were out. We we were at a restaurant, and we went out in the parking lot, and he grabbed me and threw me against the car and put me on the ground and kicked me." She files a PFA, PFA gets filed, you get kicked out of the house or wherever you're staying with her. And then the police also file criminal charges because now you have a simple assault because you kicked her and punched her or whatever. 
So then you hire me, very good, skilled lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) We go to court. I mean, I don't have any losses with you yet. No, so far we're good. <laughs> so far we're undefeated. <laughs> Luckily, I've never needed you for any criminal or anything. But no, no, you're, you've never had anything that serious. So. Stupid, stupid, stupid traffic tickets. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, Relax. Yeah, I I'm always talking about the blinker one. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so, we, so okay, so I get charged so with we, simple assault for stomping you or stomping you, her. Yeah, stomping her. And then right, we Mr. go. Franco, yeah. I will never do that. Just so you know. No, no, you wouldn't. I, I know you're a nonviolent person. I know no. you're she's sweet. So such a sweetheart. <laughs> person. We just gotta put that on on record here. So <laughs> I just want some brownie points, you know. <laughs> yeah, you you deserve them. You're you're good to her. <laughs> she's good to you. <laughs> I always make fun of my wife, but you know, we don't <laughs> we don't get in fights in the parking lots either. You kick so. your wife out of her room when she's sick, bro. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's different. How's <laughs> that different, bro? Get out of the room. You're sick. That's, self, that's self-preservation. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the point. Anyway, anyway, I forget where we are. So you so I we get go charged to- with simple assault for stomping her. And there's a PFA. So the PFA always comes up quicker. So we get to PFA court. And she's there with her lawyer, and she's going to say, Judge, uh, there's criminal charges pending against him. And then the judge is going to look at us and go, well, Mr. Oh, his ears are going to go right up. Yeah, (laughs) if they they filed charges, this must be serious, right? Right. This must be serious. And you, you as the defendant, you have Fifth Amendment rights, so you don't have to testify at the PFA because you might incriminate yourself in the criminal case, right? So a lot of times the judges will say, why don't we just hold this until the criminal case is resolved? So, yes, you So let's just keep the PO. So basically she gets the PFA until you sort out whether I was right or not. Right. Because (laughs) if you beat the criminal charges, the criminal charges have a higher burden of proof. They're beyond a reasonable doubt, whereas a PFA has preponderance of evidence. But my thought sometimes is, well, if I can beat the PFA at this low burden of proof, well, then I'm definitely going to beat the criminal charges because that's a that's a much higher burden of proof. So if you beat so, a PFA, does that benefit you in a criminal case? I think it does tremendously, but the cops don't have to drop the case. Right. So in your case... I say, no, judge, we want a hearing. The judge will look at me funny and be like, well, there's criminal charges pending. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand how it works. My client wants to testify. So you're, <laughs> you're you know, they, they don't want to, they want to kick it down the road. I get it. And they, I'm not afraid of you testifying because I know you're going to tell the truth. And right. I have two other witnesses that were in the parking lot and saw the whole thing. Mm. So... Your girlfriend's going to get up and say, oh, we went outside of the restaurant. He grabbed me and he threw me down and he kicked me when I was on the ground. Okay. And then I get to cross-examine her. I'll ask her questions. Oh, so he, how many times did he kick you? Oh, he kicked you three times, right? And where were you standing when he threw you down? He threw you down and you were right in front of the car there, right? Yeah. And that's right out front of the restaurant. Okay. And he threw you down, right? And he kicked you a couple. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and then in, And then in my case, I call you and you say... No, we were arguing. We walked out. Um, there was a couple that was right behind us, and they followed us out. 
And we were arguing, and then she got mad and got in the car and left. Okay, that's completely different than what she said. And then I called a couple, and they say, no, they were arguing, and she got in the car and left. Mm. Well, did, did he ever kick her? No. Did he ever throw her to the ground? No. Did he ever punch her? No. No, 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 no. Okay. So now the judge has to make a decision. Does he believe her, or does he believe the three people or the four people I have that says it didn't happen? Just out of curiosity, how much did you pay those witnesses? <laughs> no, they... <laughs> you might suppose you were out to dinner with your, your sister and your brother-in-law. Right. So all four of you leave the restaurant at the same time. Yeah. I've, okay. had, that. I've had those cases okay. where there's a, there's a group of people together. So the, so the other people saw it. You saw it, and your girlfriend was there, but she made she made the whole thing up. Right. So the judge is, you know, he dismisses it and says, "Okay, I'm just, uh, I, I don't believe her. I'm dismissing it." You still have criminal charges pending against you, <laughs> which you're then going to have to go to criminal court and do this whole stupid thing over again. I can see because how that could be helpful. If, yeah, if that judge dismissed it, and is, is anything in a PFA t like testimonial wise, is that a record? Yeah, which is the other thing I I like about the PFA and judges judges always kind of if I call my client or if I call witnesses in a in a PFA hearing, sometimes I won't even call my client. In my scenario, if if you were out with two other people that saw the whole thing, I I don't have to call you. I, I can have them testify that no, she was never, he never threw her down. He never kicked her. He never did anything to her. But, but you're right. I can use that testimony now. Whatever she said is of record. Right. Because there's a stenographer there taking it all down. So I kind of get a free shot at her. I get her to testify on the record about this incident. And then um, I can use that in the criminal case because I know she she wrote something in the PFA, so I have that. And I know she wrote a statement that, to the police because they always get in discovery. So now I got right. So now I got a third. I got her testifying a third time. And if you think people keep their stories straight three times, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? right? And then when she goes to the preliminary hearing, I'm going to ask her the same questions again. And guess what? They're not going to be the same answers. I'm just seeing dollars at work here. Like, yeah. this is why somebody would hire you. Right, right. But it, it's it's strategic. And I've had judges look at me funny and go, well, Mr. Nab, there's criminal charges. And I go, I, I understand that, Your Honor. I, I want to have a hearing. Because that they hate that. They hate when you do that. I'm just using the hearing as discovery for the criminal case. I don't really care about the PFA, right? You guys broke up. Right. <laughs> I don't care. I, quite honestly, I don't really care if there's a PFA or not. I get a free shot at her, though, on the record, and there's no DA there. Most of the time, people represent themselves on a PFA. So I can just go to town and ask her anything I want. There's nobody there objecting. Right. <laughs> and she'll probably answer them. <laughs> So from a strategic standpoint, I think it's smart. I mean, I'm sure some lawyer may be listening to this and going, no, you're an idiot. But I don't really care. I've had other cases. I, said, I don't care about the PFA. These people are divorced. They live in separate houses. I don't care. I'm concerned about the criminal charges. That's more serious. That's yeah. way more serious. Right. That's jail time. 
Yeah. So I get a free shot at whoever's testifying and I get it of record. And then I get in discovery, like you said, I get that. I get her statement given the police and I guarantee. And then you find the inconsistencies, right? Yeah, it doesn't match. And then I take, you know, when the preliminary hearing comes up, I say, yeah, I want a preliminary hearing. And I ask her the same stuff again. And, and then when I get to the criminal case, when it gets up to a DA, I'm going to be like, come on. She's told four different stories. Plus I have two witnesses that say it never happened. Right. You got to get rid of this. It's stupid. (laughs) It's kind of smart. Like it, it is very strategic. Yeah. They, they, a lot of people are afraid to do it. Because it takes a little bit of guts to do it. But you have a right says, to do it. I have a right to do it. And the judges don't like when I do it. Okay, if the judges they, like it or not, I have a right. Yeah, I have a right to do it. And Especially they if I'm a paying client, I'm paying you to do this. I don't care what yeah. that judge thinks. I'm yeah, paying you to protect me. And if I say to you, James, you understand anything you say in this PFA hearing could possibly be used against you in the criminal case. Right. If you Say, yeah, I understand that. And if I'm com- comfortable that you're telling me the truth, because obviously we've discussed it and I've prepared you. Right. And you know, I've gone through your testimony. And look, if I think your testimony is shaky, I'm not going to put you on. For sure. <laughs> but if I, if I go, look, I've talked to you five times about this case. Every time you tell me it's the exact same thing. It's exactly the same. And you know what? It matches my other two witnesses. Right. I don't, I don't really have a problem putting you on. And the the funny part about the whole thing is I can use your testimony in the criminal case. So you don't even have to testify at the criminal case. I said, Judge, there was a, uh, he testified at the PFA. Here's his version of the facts. Right. Well, you already have the, it on the, record. Yeah. <laughs> the DA is going to do, have a heart attack because <laughs> they, they can't cross-examine you. But that's not my problem. <laughs> Wait, why you can't know? they cross-examine? Because... Because I'm not putting you on the stand. So in order for them to cross-examine, you have to first put me on the stand. Like, they can't just call me to the stand? No, because you have Fifth Amendment rights. I can say he's not testifying. Ah, okay. So I I never really understood that. Okay, so because I'm the accused, I have Fifth Amendment rights to not be called to the stand by my accusers. But I can be called to the stand by you. But anything that you interrogate me on, they can cross-examine? Correct. Gotcha. Okay. And... A lot of times a criminal defendant does not testify, but if you have given a prior statement under oath and were subject to cross-examination without getting too deep into the weeds, that testimony can come in at your criminal trial. And can I be cross-examined on that? No, <laughs> no. It's only what's of record. That's interesting. Because <laughs> so, usually at the PFA, there's nobody there to cross-examine you. There's no DA there because it's not a criminal proceeding. Maybe there's sometimes there might be some sort of. Uh, oh, only at the creation court. of that record could they cross examine. Correct. Yes. They can't go back, reference it, and cross examine. No. That's no. interesting. Okay. So it, I think it's brilliant, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a chess game right there. That's a chess game. That's playing the long game. And my concern is generally the criminal case because I don't want you to have a you know aggravated assault on your record. Right. A PFA isn't great, but I'd much rather have a PFA than a criminal case. Well, right. PFA is not going to show up for like a job scan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I will use it and I'll usually go to the cop and say, hey, we tried this case. We tried the whole case. She testified and the judge didn't believe her. 
so just dismiss this stuff. Right. Hmm. We, we talk about egos and stuff. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but I think it sets them up for malicious prosecution. Oh, egos are the worst. You know, they, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to dismiss it because, well, we filed it. Well, did you talk to the witnesses? Right. No, we talked to her. Well, did you talk to the two people that were standing there? No, she didn't mention them. (laughs) Of course she didn't. Of course she didn't because they saw the whole thing and they know she's full of it. Right, right. (laughs) You're the detective. (laughs) Not me. It's interesting to see how this like came together because like I didn't know about the whole testifying there, using that against you in a criminal case, the original PFA and creating testimony that can't be cross-examined. Like there's a lot of little things like that. Like, and I would say I'm pretty good with law I and mean, I'm not an expert. I'm not a lawyer, but that just shows like, even if you think, you know, like there's so many little ways to maneuver. It's just, yeah. just pay somebody like they know what they're doing. It's crazy. And, and it, it does, it does help. And look, every case is different. You have to make these decisions after talking to your client I've had some clients that are just terrible at testifying. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, even at the PFA, I'm not going to put you on the stand. And I, and I might assume that I'm going to lose the PFA, but the big picture might be I'm trying to win the criminal case. Right. So well, let's use I'll, this PFA as an opportunity. Yeah, so I will right. just use the PFA. And I, I had one a few years ago. I didn't put my client on. I just cross-examined the hell out of this woman <laughs> <laughs> as long as I could. <laughs> right. Now the judge, uh, the judge who has since retired, <laughs> she was, she was on to me <laughs> and, and she started, uh, it was funny cause I was reading it. I don't know why I was looking at it the other day. She was like, Mr. Knapp, I'm not going to sit here and let you have discovery for your criminal case. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> but why you have a right? I was like, well, is it that obvious? But <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I have a right within reason. Right. I I think I should be able to ask anything I want about the incident. The judges, again, they don't want to have four hours on a PFA. I Look, I lost that PFA. <laughs> but did you win the criminal? But, I, but they dropped the criminal case. <laughs> oh, that's and great. I, and I told my client, I said, if you don't testify, we're going to lose. Right. And he was okay with that, but I said, it's going to help us. I think if I can get her to say certain things on the record, we're going to win the criminal case. And that's exactly how it worked. Once I went to the DA later and I said, she testified at the PFA and said, blah, blah, blah. She gave you a statement that said something different. And then she gave, when she wrote out the PFA, she said something different. Right. So it makes you look like you're not telling the truth. It kind of boiled down to whether he broke into the house or she let him in. I think they were charging him with burglary or something. It was a stupid... She she took something from him. She said, oh, I have it. You can come over and get it. He went over to the house. He banged on the door. She opened the door, let him in. And then she wouldn't give it back to him. I don't know if it was his wallet or his passport or whatever the heck it was. Right. And it became this, give me it, no, give me it, give me it, and then, you know, the police show up. But she tells the police that he came over to the house and, and pushed his way in. 
Mm. But that's not what she said on the stand. So it's not a burglary if you let somebody in. That's, no, wait, that's <laughs> not what she said in the PFA? No, in the PFA. <laughs> in the criminal case, she said he came over and he came into my house uninvited. Okay. I told him to go away. The door was closed, but unlocked or something and he just barged his way in and then started grabbing me and punching me trying to get his you know wallet or whatever she took from him right well that was completely different than what she testified at the pfa because at the pfa she said he knocked on the door she told him to come over he got there she opened the door she walked in she sat on the couch oh that throws that right out the window it threw right out the window when i went back to the da later i was like look this isn't a burglary she let him in. She and, said it on record. Right. She said right here. He knocked on the... She told him to come over. He came over. She let him in. She said, come get your wallet. He came over. She let him in. And then she wouldn't give him the wallet. Okay. And then they started fighting over the wallet. He wasn't punching her or any of that shit. That's crazy. <laughs> but... Yeah. That's a part of lawyering I like. Like you said, it's like playing chess. Yeah. It's the tactical stuff. A, a lot of people are just... They, they're looking, you know, just myopically looking at the PFA. Sometimes the PFA I don't care about. <laughs> you know what's funny is every time we're starting a podcast, every time for everybody listening, Carl says, do you think we could fill a half hour on that or an hour? I don't know. If we, we might not be able to fill 20 minutes. Every time. Look, we're an hour and two minutes I, right I'm now. I'm just looking at my clock. We, I was we could go another hour if we wanted to. <laughs> I, think we're, to I think we should probably yeah, wrap up soon here. We, we will wrap up. It's a, I'm looking at I have an hour and two on mine. Yeah, me too. And then just so people know, yeah, when we do our little pre-show discussion, <laughs> I always say, do you think we can fill an hour? Every time. And, and of course, when we're doing the pre-show, we do about 45 minutes. <laughs> we said, we should have recorded this. <laughs> Every we're time just in, we're just in 45 minutes talking about what we're going to talk about. I'm telling you, we could, we could talk about paint drying for 45 minutes. I know we could. We have no problem talking, but I think you're probably right, but we should wrap up. Yes. We are coming up on an hour and three minutes. Carl, is there any uh, closing statements that you want to make about today's podcast? I am. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to use my right to remain silent. Because... I think that's probably a good idea because you don't <laughs> want to jeopardize your job and upset the people that you have to work with. Right. <laughs> No, nothing's nothing's harder for a lawyer to say than no more questions so <laughs> i believe that <laughs> i believe that anyway guys obviously he knows a lot about due process burden of proof equal protection he seems to know a couple of the amendments pretty darn well um pfas if you guys are dealing with anything like that you have any questions make sure you hit him up uh, his email and phone number is on the disclaimer at the end, and we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice or advice for a specific case or legal matter. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as an agreement for legal representation. This podcast and parties do not represent you in your particular matter unless there's an express written representation agreement between you and this firm. If you're interested in obtaining legal services, head over to cnaplaw.com or call 215-268-6333 and schedule an appointment today. That's cnaplaw.com. 215-268-6333. For more high quality music like this, head over to bensounds.com.